Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the No Shot Clock podcast. Once again, it's Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and joining me and, and Joe Hendricks from the City Suburban Hoops Report. And we are going to get through a lot today, a lot of questions. we got a new topic for us and, of course, our two takes, Mike. And, um, you know, we've been busy bouncing around for well, the last couple of weeks for sure at a lot of these shootouts and uh, it's been a grind, and uh, we got a lot to cover again this weekend. Yeah, this should be good. We got a, a different, I guess, idea format for this podcast. For, I guess for the kind of the special segment, it's going to be three questions. I'm going to ask Joe three questions. We've prepared answers ahead of time, so we won't be stumbling. And Joe's going to ask me three questions. And... Yeah, our own our own personal Q and A with Mike and Joe. <laughs> If anybody cares, let's do our own cues, questions, and answers. Uh, we've got a lot of questions, so let's get right to those. Uh, the first up is Steve John, Steven Johnson. He says, do you think a basketball team has ever won a game without making a two-point field goal? In the Wheaton South-Naperville North game, there were no two-point baskets made by the winning team. That was Wheaton South. Uh, they made 10 three-pointers and were 9 out of 10 from the free-throw line. Well, I'm sure somewhere this is happening. I'm sure yeah. somewhere uh, it is just a rare oddity. This little rivalry has really been odd yes. over the past year. And just to recap, I mean, last year they met three times. Uh, Wheaton South beat them in their magical regular season. They met in the sectional, and Naperville North decided to completely – do something different and fouled every time from the get-go and put Wheaton South at the line. And so it, it created a lot of, in the Western suburbs, there's a lot of debate over if that was the thing to do, if that's quote-unquote basketball, if that's, so there was, and, and it raised the tensions between the two teams and a little hostility between, between them. And, and I think, you know, a lot of those key pieces were back this year. And it's kind of continued this year with two really good teams again, battling for a conference championship. And again, just a, a different type of game again that we just that we just the question just the questioner just asked and talked about. Yeah, I've got a lot of Wheaton South people upset that they're not ranked. Um, they keep talking about how they beat Naperville North and uh, this game, whatever happens in this game lately, means absolutely nothing <laughs> based on how you're going to do against anyone else. Well, I mean, Wheaton South lost to Joliet Central, who, I mean, isn't in your top 25. and They lost to York. That's what knocked them out. Well, and Wheaton South beat Naperville North without Naperville North's leading scorer playing. Yeah. So and, uh, you have to pretty much take that into account. Yeah, I mean, Wheaton South is ranked for a good month or more until they lost to York, so... That's the way it goes. They keep talking about the Oak Park win, though, but that was in consolation play. And I believe everyone knows my feelings on that. Um, next up, Dave Hortman. Dave says, any thoughts on hot teams nearing the playoffs? I know you two have talked northern suburbs a lot. Are you guys thinking of coming to any of the games this week in the North Suburban Conference? I will not be at any North Suburban Conference games. Uh, hot teams, Mike, there's a lot of them. But we still, what's interesting, I like the question. But I would have liked it another, maybe a week or two later. Yeah. Because 
there's plenty of time for these hot teams to, you know, if you're riding high right now, that's great, and you hope to keep that momentum. But it really can be uh, very fluid, and there are hot teams now that can cool off between now and the time of state tournament. I mean, West Aurora has won eight in a row, played very well. Uh, Loyola Academies won 13 out of 14. Bennett Academies won seven in a row. Uh, even Lake Zurich has won 11 out of 12. Carmel's won eight in a row. I was just going through these. Oswego East has won 10 out of 11. All either ranked or pretty solid teams that are definitely feeling good right now. But, you know, you lose two out of your last three games heading into the state tournament, and a lot of that mojo is gone. Yeah, I think as far as like who it matters to be hot right now, it would be the public league teams because a lot of their regular seasons, most of them are over. And so they are now heading into the playoffs. So if they're hot, it sort of matters. Um, one of those, I'd say, is Prosser that's playing pretty well. They haven't won a ton in a row, but they've played some good teams. You know, They knocked off Lincoln Park. I don't think anybody wants to see them coming up here in the public league playoffs. Uh, Bogan has heated up quite a bit. I don't think anybody wants to take a look at them. Hyde Park is a team that's playing their best basketball now. They almost took Bogan down last week with only five points, which is something I would not have thought earlier. So those are some teams that are definitely kind of playing their best basketball, you know, that aren't the high-level teams heading into the the, the CPS playoffs in a week. Um, Next quest. Oh, as far as going to North Suburban, I am not. I'm going to some weird games this week, but I'm not going to any North Suburban games. I don't think I'm am going to Rolling Meadows and Prospect, so sort of up <laughs> uh, that away, but not uh, technically that conference. Um, next up, we have Billy Judge. He says, do you think Loyola has a shot of beating Fenwick for a share of the Catholic League blue title, assuming they win out otherwise in the Catholic League? Yeah, they have a shot. There's no question they have a shot. Actually, I'll talk a little bit more detail about that in one of my takes. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I the I learned a lot about Loyola this weekend, which I'll talk a little about later. Yeah, I don't. I saw Loyola, <laughs> I, I saw Loyola twice, like the week before. I mean, I think they're nice. They're having a nice year. I, I yeah, I don't see it. Um, sorry. Yeah, I just and I saw them beat a team this weekend that's probably better than Fenwick, so that gave me my belief. Yeah, are, is that team that good? I guess you were there, but I mean, they're, oh yeah, they're they're okay. they're good. They're I mean, there's two Division One players with an offer from Xavier with mid major offers. Another one mid major mid major offers. They have a uh, a guy that's going to Michigan to play football. They were big, strong, athletic, well coached, disciplined. I was impressed with this team. In fact, I even told uh, the coach, uh, Tom Levitino, after the game, I said, you know what? A minute into the game, I said, there's no shot that Loyola has a chance to win this game. It was a very, uh, well, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Okay. I think they beat um, Morgan Parker Bogan last year. I know they. Yeah, it's a very solid, reputable, yeah, big time program in Michigan. They used to go to that thing, and I think they all ended up forfeiting because of it or whatever. <laughs> that, that doesn't exist anymore. But uh, next up, Kenneth Jenkins. He says, Mike and Joe, I've only seen Namari Burnett this year through highlights, but it seems he is developing a complete game and playing the point guard position. Good move to leave Morgan Park. 
Well, I mean, I, I don't know where he moved to specifically. I mean, what it's all about, where it's at. What, you know, I, he's a prolific really, prep in California. Right. I mean, I get where he's at. I'm just saying, yeah. I don't know the, you know what I mean? The, everything that goes oh, with him. yeah. Um, now, he left before Adam Miller yes. decided. So it would be interesting. The one, when I heard this or saw this question, Mike, I was wondering, does Adam Miller come to Morgan Park if, Burnett's still there? No. Right. I mean, and I personally think the swap was good for Morgan Park. If you, I mean, if I had to take one of the two. But, yeah, I mean, he's a talented, talented player. I don't know if it was the right move. Yeah, I think no, it's uh, right. maybe too soon to see. I mean, it's hard, and yeah, and it's hard to say without knowing what's really going on out there. I've not been paying. I've seen some highlights tweeted at me and stuff, and I've talked to his dad, I think, once, but he seems to be okay. Um, I'm sure he's enjoying California. It's a little bit nicer than the south side of Chicago. Uh, next up, <laughs> boy, I'm slamming Loyola and the south side of Chicago. <laughs> this is off to a great start for me. All right, next up, uh, Sam Salabura. Uh, will next year's freshman class be one of the best in a while, with possibly three top 30 national prospects? Any idea where Amari Bailey, AJ Casey, and Drain? Um, his name is um, Jalen Drain. Is that right? I think. So. Yeah, I, first. Yeah, yeah. It's not the J. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Jalen. I'm not sure, but um, he says um, he wants to know where they're going to high school. We know where Amari Bailey is going to college before high school. We've seen that before with Boatwright, Cully Payne, maybe missing others. That's his first question, Joe. Um, I, I guess I'll say it. I've. I met Amari Bailey. Um, there's a whole lot of scuttlebutt about him. I watched him play the Elite Classic. Originally, most people thought he was headed to Young. He was playing with Mean Streets. There has been a shift, and he's been hanging around with Mac Irvin Fire folks, and people are thinking Morgan Park now, but I don't think anything's decided. And Yeah, I mean, this this there's one thing I really try to stay out of is the – recruitment of junior high kids it's bad enough to go through the college ranks of recruiting the high school kids i i mean it's those of you that aren't aware of kind of what takes place i mean it is an all-out effort to get these top players in chicago and you know there's a lot of pulling here and tugging there and and it plays out quite a while into the spring and summer a lot of times yeah, I think the Drain kid was um, possibly is a, could be headed to Simeon. And A.J. Casey's in the south suburbs, but who knows what that means. Um, yeah, I don't follow it super closely, um, but I'm not opposed to checking in. It's funny, I used to, you know, I've talked about this before, but sometimes I'll go back and check out the Sun-Times archives, and Taylor Bell used to cover this pretty good. Um, he was into it. We'd have some top 10 eighth grade rankings. He'd talk when kids decided which high school they were going to. Everybody always <laughs> thinks things have gotten worse now. <laughs> and it's totally not true. If you go back and look at the old stuff, you know, we used to have a lot of space to fill in preps <laughs> in the sun times. And there, you'd be surprised by some of the scuttlebutt and rumors and junior high stuff that you'd find in the uh, newspaper. Um, Sam's second question. He wants to know uh, who would be your top five senior point guards in the state of Illinois? Oh, geez. I did prepare for this question, but state of Illinois, I missed that part. <laughs> I did. Uh, I was looking at the local guys, um, and I'm guessing uh, the Lanfear kid. I mean, are we talking 
this is the whole question, like the most productive high school point guards right now. I mean, or the, the prospect list. But, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I, I mean, you include Io, even though he's been on the shelf for almost a month now. But, you know, Io DeSumo, Xavier Castaneda, Xavier Pinson, um, Kendall Moore would be the four. And uh, Darius Bean from Carbondale, if you're going full state of Illinois. Um, after that, I mean, those are the seniors. Yeah, I, I had Pinson and Morgan Taylor, Chase Adams, maybe Dervon Claiborne at Niles North. Um, yeah, Commander has not had the season that, you know, since that transfer. And he's not um, playing point guard. Um, yeah, I mean, those, those are the names. Um, also, the Isaiah Fuller, at um, he was playing point guard for Oak Park. I'm not sure now that Enoch's back what's happening. Uh, he's had a nice year. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's not the greatest list. No, but there's a red-hot one. My goodness. Xavier Pinson. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> the high majors of gun calling and the need, the needed uh, fill the roster. Oh, that um, is so weird, though, because, I mean – Kawan Clements is Simeon's point guard, you know? And so it's like... Pinson, well, P- Pinson plays point guard when he's playing. Yeah, but that's not that much. <laughs> and so it's like... <laughs> he plays half the game. I know, it's so awkward. I mean, as someone who's got to pick an all-city team and stuff coming up, it's like, oh, man. This guy... Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's working well, very yeah, well I for mean, Simeon, but... Yeah, well, it's, it's an odd... It's an odd... Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't... I. Guessing this is a first that I've had a top ten prospect who doesn't start <laughs> yeah. uh, for a high school team. I mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine that's ever happened. A top ten prospect in the class is a senior who doesn't start. When maybe when they're younger, yes, but um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely odd. It's a weird situation. There were a lot of good junior point guards when I was going through this like everybody wanted to talk about was juniors so maybe next year will be better than expected um all right we have another question he has a sam has another question about gyms i think we've hit that a lot um then he says uh, do you think it would be cool for the catholic league and the east suburban catholic to do a tournament like the city playoffs at the end of the year possibly top four from each thoughts i think we i'm guessing mike and i have the same opinion on this answer uh, well, first of all, it was done in the Catholic League, and it didn't really catch on too much, and it disappeared. And the East Suburb, I, I don't see any reason for it. The Public League, fine. It's got history, tradition. I like it. I shouldn't. It shouldn't ever go away. Even with these super conferences, I still like it. But any other league, I have no need for it. I wonder with the um, <coughs> excuse me. Next year they're adding the um, games. The IHSA's allowing teams to like they're getting rid, they're changing the scheduling rules. It's going to allow more games. I wonder if that's going to lead to any of this kind of stuff. But what what's the need? Well, now they just need to fill games. <laughs> um, yeah, but so you want to go play the teams you already play more? Well, if it's Catholic League and East Suburban, you know, if it's some kind of private school, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, and the Catholic League already has a champion. I mean, they like, next year they're everybody's going to be in one league anyway the way the new format is so eh, 
anyway, I, I have no desire to go down that road ever again. I don't. I do enjoy Catholic League and East Suburban Catholic crossover games. Well, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Do that. That's good I would stuff. Lo- um, yeah. But yeah, the I like the tournament. conference challenges or whatever it is. Yeah, but... those are good. <laughs> um, and all right, next question here. Let's get through. Uh, Patrick Devitt. What team that hasn't made the Super 25 this season has the best chance to make a long postseason run in 3A or 4A? My first reaction to this was, who in the world hasn't been in the Super 25? Yeah, and, and as I looked at the question, I said, i got to let Mike give me teams because <laughs> yeah. I I mean, it's, what, what's the list at now? Like, gosh. I know at one time you talked about the most, what, yeah. wasn't like 60 Maybe. Am I off saying that? I, no, probably not. I Yeah, I haven't looked in a while. I mean, and it's kind of weird because oh, I looked. I mean, Stevenson, I think, is a good example. The only one I had for 4A. Never um, ranked. Never ranked. I, I don't know how long of a run they can make, but they're a hot team playing well, and they're young, so they could get better, you know, good coach. They were literally had, all I could find out in 4A. You, you, you had Lake Zurich ranked at one point? I think so. I wouldn't. Carmel. Put, yeah. I'm almost positive I, I had Lake Zurich too. Okay. That was the only one that I was kind of questioning. Yeah. It's, I mean, Mundelein hasn't been ranked yet. They've been okay. Um, Jacobs? They have not been ranked. Okay. There's a good one. Weak sectional. Somewhat weak. Playing well. They haven't played anyone, but playing well. Uh, Thornton's playing well. I don't know how long of a run they the can ja- make. The Jacobs one's not bad. I mean, they got. I mean, I know they lost Krutwig, obviously, but a good group back from last year's team. Uh, again, they, you know, their big test was West Aurora. They lost by double digits. Yeah. Uh, but that sectional is not. You know, it, it's weaker than I even thought it was going to be. When the season began, yeah, I keep trying to get excited. I even thought about going to, out to see the Jacob. I don't know the, the Warren and the York loss. And they've not. It's not excited me. Um, but yeah, the, it's tough with four A, three A. I had um, North. I keep talking about North Chicago. They had a nice first quarter against Curie, where, where they shined, and then Curie took them down. But they are in three A. They haven't been ranked yet. John, you should have a. You should have a Michael O'Brien shootout. North Chicago against Waukegan. Oh, because that's a great game. Uh, super fun game. Yes, but I think it's time we quit talking about... You're not going to like one of my... Uh, takes? No, one of my other uh, things later on. All um, right. Yeah, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> yeah, hey, North Chicago had people at Orr wondering for eight minutes. <laughs> when they... I mean, they've won five in a row. They did beat Antioch by 40. And they blitzed Curie, but... I mean, and it's 3A. That's the reason. And Johnsburg was the other team. Um you know, three A. They got Zach Toussaint. Boy, your your, your voice even in three A. <laughs> it's it's listening to the voice. It's rough. Uh, talking three yeah. A. It's I feel bad for all the three A schools that have to listen to me whine about three A and you. I guess. Well, don't worry. If they do well, they'll be in four A next year, so <laughs> they won't have to care anymore. <laughs> um, all right, I think. Uh, wait, hold on. Am I wrong? Oh, there is more. Um, this is—it's a long one um, from T Dog in Bloomington. 
He, he's been listening for about a year. He says, my family and I are big-time high school basketball followers from Central Illinois. We watched a lot of Big 12 games and love staying up to date on all Chicago hoops. A few of the Big 12 freshman and sophomore teams are doing very well. Their combined records are like 45-4. and four. The next couple of years look to be really fun and competitive with a bunch of great athletes here in Central Illinois. I was just wondering, besides Adam Miller... With Morgan Park and DJ Stewart and Fenwick, what other teams from the Chicago area will have great players that are only freshmen this year or will be freshmen next year? Assuming, of course, they don't transfer anywhere else. Well, Miller and Stewart are both sophomores, but, uh, you know, we, we did a little segment on best young players, and I think we talked a lot about the freshmen. I mean, Max Christie from Rolling Meadows has really stood out to, to both of us, I know. Yeah, and, and he is probably one or two in that class. Ahmad Bynum from Simeon, who's going to play a much bigger role next season uh, as a sophomore. Chris Hodges at Schaumburg. Um, Evanston yeah. has a, three kids. I love yeah. them. Yeah, Blake Peters is terrific. You know, the, the Zion Benton has a terrific uh, Amar. Um, Aguilar. Aguilar. You know, and, and then the ones they've, you know, Central Illinois, uh, Khalil Terroy down at Champaign Central and, and down in Danville, Tevin Smith. So, yeah, I think it is a, I, I think it's a promising group. Obviously, a lot of these kids on my list uh, are have not made an impact at the varsity level yet just because of circumstances, but there's been a lot that have. Kamari Wilson, Car Carmel. Um, yeah, so I... It's promising. I, I think it is a better group than the, what we've seen. Than and, and I think we kind of said that last year, but uh, I think this group is better. Yeah, and it's deep. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, and I keep hearing a lot about different city kids. Zach, there's a kid named Zach Met, or sorry, Norvell Meadows over at Prosser who's scoring a lot. I have not seen him yet. Um, or keeps getting upset when I don't mention their freshman, but the kid never plays. So I don't know how I'm supposed to know he's good. <laughs> I guess he's on varsity and he doesn't play. So it's like, I mean, I'm not like forgetting him. I haven't seen him play. So anyway, I'm sure there's also a lot of other freshmen that we haven't seen play. Um, so that it, it does look promising. Let's hope that holds. Um, next up, oh, I think that's it for the questions. Joe, do you want to uh, start us off with the takes? Yeah, um, the, the the two takes, my first one, Mike, is I led into kind of what we briefly discussed about Loyola, but, you know, style of play, coaching, chemistry, a belief in what you're doing as a team, who you are as a team, goes a long way. And, and there are different ways to win and be successful, which we all know, but that's Loyola Academy this year. This is the classic case of the whole is greater than the sum of its parts though you have to have a belief in that as a team as a program as a culture within a program and for that to be true Loyola is not if anybody's seen Loyola play they, they are not wired or built to impress with the simple eye test unless you're really really willing to appreciate all styles of play and how they get it done this is a disciplined team one that gets a lot done on the defensive end of the floor. Their defensive numbers are ridiculous as far as holding teams. Part of that is what they do offensively. But the Ramblers take you out of what you like to do. They make you uncomfortable. I watched them play the Detroit Jesuit team that was cl clearly had better personnel 
with multiple Division One players and athletes. They were, as I mentioned, they were physical, played defense, well coached, but you could tell they were so out of their comfort zone. Having to, de- when you have to defend Loyola for a minute at a time, sometimes more because of their deliberate style, it, it becomes frustrating. And teams who aren't accustomed to doing it, then when they do get possession of the ball, they feel rushed. They do some things that they're not accustomed to doing on that end, only to find a sound disciplined defensive team at the other end. But, you know, Loyola didn't even shoot it well this past weekend. Yet, that's what impressed me. I was impressed they came away with a win over a team that is probably the most talented team they'll face all season, the regular season at least. And that, to me, is why I kind of came away, you know, last week in the in the buy, sell, or hold stock, I held because I didn't have a great feel or look for Loyola. And but Kevin Cunningham is a rock solid in the backcourt. Pete Mangan's a warrior, the ultimate blue-collar winner. The sophomore twins, Jordan and Bennett Kwasinski, six, 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 seven kids, they're coming along, and they'll ultimately be Division One players. Junior Connor Barrett, he's grown and blossomed as a perimeter scoring threat. And Tom Livettino can just really coach. So, And more importantly, he's instilled something the kids in his program and this particular team have bought into and believe. So I just... You know, maybe it was because it played out of state over the holidays. Maybe it's because of their scores or maybe their style. But it's a team, Mike, that I think, while isn't overly talented when compared to the state's top teams, has been a little bit overlooked and underappreciated. And one that, because of its style, discipline, and ability to make shots on a good night, they didn't make them this past weekend. I think they were four of 18 from three. But they can really be tough in March. And I, I think it's a team that can be beaten early on the wrong day, wrong night, wrong – I mean, it, it can go south for them. There's no doubt. But there's a reason why they're sitting there with that record that they have right now. Well, they haven't been overlooked. They've been covered two, the last two Fridays in the Sun-Times. Well, I just <laughs> mean as, as far as, as people anybody. talking about them, I, don't, I, haven't, they haven't, I mean, maybe they were ranked for a week or so. I mean, they're, I, I just think they're clearly better than a lot of teams that are – and their resume is not that bad. They played a pretty decent schedule. So that's why I think I'm saying they're overlooked. Um, they haven't been a constant in the rankings. They've won 14 out of 15. Um, you know, to me, that's, you know, they've beaten ranked team. They beat Lincoln Park by 22 points. Uh, and that's they've, they've been a ranked team all year. So I, I just think Viola is a little bit underappreciated. Yeah, I'm not on board. I've seen them a lot. Especially recently, I just don't think they've got the scores they had those years where they made the playoff runs. And that, I mean, I, I agree with everything you've said, especially about you know the defense and the system. I just don't. You know, they barely survived Ignatius in that game I saw, and I saw them. Um, they they beat DePaul pretty handily at home. That was a good game. But yeah, I, I just worry about the scoring. I I love Kevin Cunningham. You know, I think he's a really especially for everything Tom Livettino wants to do. He kind of makes it all happen, but I feel like he needs to be almost heroic, you know, for them to get those wins. And yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, agree. I don't think anybody has to be heroic on that team. I mean, I, I don't think anybody has to do anything out of their comfort zone because of who they are defensively. And I mean, I, I, like a St. Viator has been up and down scores, a ton of points, you know, they knocked them off by limiting, I mean, Loyola actually, I mean, you look at they actually score one of their higher point totals but in that game. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I just think 
they're a team that if I'm a Niles, I mean, they're going to be a top four seed in one of the toughest sectionals in the state. I mean, for sure. Uh, and, and if I'm a Niles North or an Evanston, ugh, I, I do not want to play that team. Like that one, two, or seed. I wonder what their numbers would be like without that Mather game. It kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in their results. They beat Mather 87-42, to 42, which is one of the highest point totals they've allowed. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, in a yeah. win, and they scored 87. So, yeah, yeah. they kind of throw things off a little bit. Um, my uh, first take is on a, another team that I've seen a couple times. It's always good for me when I see the team that second time. I feel like I get a much better handle on them, and that was the case for, I guess it was the third time I've seen Leo. Um, saw them beat over the weekend Uplift in a game at Orr, and I'm just getting more and more on board with Leo. It, it, it's one of those things where... I guess we could say this even about 4A, too, with Simeon looming. But with Orr looming, getting too excited about a, a team in 2A sometimes seems a little foolish. But I'm starting to wonder if maybe Leo can't give them a game. They're just getting better and better. And the Anderson, give Orr a game? Yeah. And the Anderson brothers just get better and better rebounding. I think, you know, that could really help nullify some of the great stuff Orr does. We've talked a lot about Fred Cleveland. You know, he's important. He runs the show. He's one of the, to me, elite high school guards. Malcolm Bell is the X factor. He, he keeps scoring when I go, though. And, you know, he doesn't always make the right decision. He had maybe the worst double dribble I've ever seen in my life at the game on, on Saturday. I don't know what he was thinking. But then he came right back and hit three threes in the fourth quarter. Didn't let it get to him. He's an interesting athletic player. You know, Leo's not real deep. You know, that's going to be one of their issues, you know, especially against a, a team like Orr. But I think maybe that Leo's ceiling is higher than I expected. They've won eight in a row. Not against the best teams, you know, but they have knocked off, you know, some good ranked teams in there. And I think a lot of their early losses were coming, you know, with a transfer coming in, running the show. It was a little bit rough. They lost their first they two out-of-state teams. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm on board with Leo, and I think next year they're going to be possibly an elite team. Yeah, I'll maybe go with you next year. I, we have very – we have disagreed on very few things in this somewhat blast season. In our first two takes, we completely disagree on Loyola and, and Leo. I don't, I don't think – I mean, I – I think Leo is going to cruise to to get to the or I just don't I, I I don't see don't I mean you have to come up with some to beat or I think you should be able to play with and knock off a Morgan Park team that played without Io DeSumo um you know I look at some of you know losing to DePaul prep losing to St. Joe's you know I just don't see as far as looking on paper at scores of a team that could match up with Orr, who is without question one of the top three teams in the state of Illinois. Yeah, I mean, those losses were early, so I'm trying to forgive them a little bit, especially the Joe's loss especially seems bad. You know, that was back in December. And you're right in the Morgan Park thing. I just, it, they've gotten so much better. You know, they're the team I've seen three times, each with a little bit of space in between, and I haven't seen that with a lot of teams. I feel like a lot of teams I've seen are, are even backsliding. So it's been a little upsetting. That, to me. that I will agree with. Um, <laughs> my second take, and I'm pretty ecstatic on that. A couple of players that I really, really, really believed in. Two players who I thought were vastly overlooked and underrated nationally, not locally, are finally kind of getting their due. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker 
and EJ Liddell, downstater from Belleville West, were both outliers when it came to top 100 rankings for quite some time. And now, I mean, Horton Tucker is now is ranked number 31 in the country by rivals, 65 by Scout or 247 Sports, whatever they're called now. Um, you know, so he was on the outside looking in of top 100 rankings. And I, I just, sometimes, Mike, we see guys put together just these great seasons and it doesn't translate to widespread attention. And seeing what Talon Horton Tucker has done this year, to me, is pretty exciting. Um, and to the point where, and I was thinking about it, and you would know as well as anyone because of keeping track of all area things and statistics. I mean, this is not a normal Simeon individual season for what Taylor Horton Tucker is doing right now. I mean, his numbers, and I'd have to track them down. I didn't take time to figure them out. But if anybody's followed Simeon over the years, they don't usually have guys that put up crazy numbers. And I got to believe he's averaging, I mean, is he over 22, 23 a game? I don't think – every he puts up the 10 points, 10 rebounds once or twice yeah. a week. So I'm not – I don't think so, but I'm not uh, sure. But Horton Tucker's ranking, national recognition, is, I think a great reward for him. And then I talked about EJ Liddell, and that's what leads me into kind of my take is, hey, now we have as much kind of criticism as I've given the state and Mike we have talked about on the podcast – we're talking about now there's two players in the top 50 in the senior class, Io DeSumo and Taylor Horton Tucker. There is now two players in Illinois, not the Chicago area, but in Illinois, E.J. Liddell, who is now a consensus top 50 player in Illinois with Francis Okoro of Normal West. And then just recently, it just came out, you know, pretty much now consensus is that EJ, or, um, DJ Stewart of Fenwick and Adam Miller of Morgan Park are not only top 50 players, but top 25. ESPN came out with their rankings, and Adam Miller was 21, and DJ Stewart was 25. So we got two pushing top 25 status in that sophomore class. So that's six players, all consensus top 50 players. And, you know, it's a start uh, from where we were way back when, when that was the norm, and, uh, and, and then some. But it's just good to see some of the kids in Illinois who have put together the type of seasons – that they're being rewarded for it. Yeah, it's been nice to uh, – Ryan Boatwright is what I always like to talk about. I remember bugging Evan Daniels a lot about his national ranking senior year. It's so hard to get that national ranking raised senior year. Right, and Horton – Taylor Horton Tug has done it because he went and played a national, you know, stage. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Boatwright, who we both agreed that it was ridiculous where he was ranked nationally and never really did get any national love, to be honest with you, ever. Uh, partly it was because his AAU days were kind of different than everybody else's. Yeah. And, and, and then, uh, East Aurora wasn't going to play outside of Illinois. Um, yeah. And I, and Taylor Horton Tucker, I mean, all credit to him. He's one of those kids where, you know, I'm more of a results than a potential guy. And I like to wait a lot of times, especially lately. I feel like the potential people have been burned pretty hard. So I wasn't, you know, it's not like I didn't believe in Taylor Horton Tucker. I was just going to wait to see it because so much last year was potential. Well, oh boy, has he, you know, fulfilled it as a high school player. 
You know, he, he's just so difficult to stop and is doing all those things everybody said that he could end up doing, he's actually doing. And that's been really nice to see. Um, Iowa State's got a really good one. Let's see my second take. I've been debating this one. <laughs> I have two takes here. And one was going to be if I felt like ranting and one was going to be if I didn't. But I think it needs to, I'm going to go with the one I want to go with. And I apologize if people are tired of hearing about it. But this city tournament thing, it just has me so frustrated. I spent a couple hours on Sunday yesterday trying to figure out the city tournament bracket to see if I could put it online because I get asked so often. I've probably been asked twice since we started recording this podcast, either on email or text or Twitter. Everybody wants to know if I've got the tournament bracket. And it's Monday now at 5.05. I think I have what the format is. And the only reason I have that is because a coach screenshotted what he had and has sent it to me. The CPS would never actually send the media anything. And the thing I have has some an error on it. So I, I, I'm sure they'll correct that. I'm not sure how. And then the other problem is there's two games that haven't been played. This, this regular season's supposed to be over. But Young and Orr have not played. For whatever reason, I'm not going to get into all that. But that at least has been scheduled for Thursday. Should be a very good game. And the other game that hasn't been played is Farragut North Lawndale. And that's an even bigger mess. Sounds like it's not going to be played. It's under dispute. They're waiting for the CPS to rule on who gets the forfeit. And based on how that goes, we could have four teams tied for fifth place in the Red Northwest. They'd all be four and five. And no one in the CPS that I've talked to, no coaches, even know what the first tiebreaker is. I'm pretty sure they don't have four or three or whatever it would take to break this four-way tie. And... The CPS, the city tournament, the playoff format is based on where you finished in conference. So it's very important. Each of those slots matter. You can't have a four-way tie. And I guess, so my larger point is here, it's a mess. And we're a week away from it starting. Nobody knows what's going on. Sort of. But that's not totally true. Hyde Park knows. They're locked in. Almost positive Hyde Park's going to be playing lane in the first round unless some crazy things happen. Um, Hyde Park's already been out scouting. They already watched Lane. So not only is it messed up for fans, but it's giving huge competitive disadvantages to some teams who have no clue who they're going to play, and some teams were scouting last week. It's just a complete ridiculous farce. That's just on the organizational side. Then we've got the whole side for the fans and the public. How is anybody supposed to make plans to go to this thing if they don't know when it is, where it is? The whole mess that that is, the whole thing, how we're back at Chicago State, how they couldn't work out something at Trust. Basically, we've taken what should be, once again, the city's premier high school sporting event, and it's sitting there in the trash bin, and nobody even knows what's going on. And it's deeply frustrating to me, especially when I eventually do, with all of my investigative journalism... That's what it takes to get the city tournament bracket. And I put it online and then I'll watch the number of people that care and the number of people that go to that story. And it'll be one of the most popular things we put up on the website all year. People can talk about how the state tournament matters more. People can talk about big football rivalries that they think are important. When I put that city tournament bracket online, 
it's like watching a whatever you want to call spin. People care deeply about this. And that is without the CPS doing anything to basically they're discouraging people caring about it. And it still matters that much. It's just so frustrating to me. Sadly, my take on your take is despite, I mean, I, I think this is a regular occurrence that this has been a take of yours since the podcast began at least once a year and nothing changes. Yeah. I mean, it really doesn't. And that's, to me, from the outside, it's almost like this defeatist attitude of, well, or, or accepted that that's just how it is. And it's like what you said. It's just really too bad that something that is there of this magnitude cannot be used as a springboard for the Chicago publicly sports, publicly basketball, and the programs and the fans and everything that's part of it. And that, that's the disappointing thing to me. But we are going to do our little Q&A now. And Mike, just to refresh, Mike and I exchanged questions to each other um, to prepare a little bit for it. Just three random questions that I kind of wanted to see what Mike's take was. And what we're going to do is I'm going to give Mike my three questions, and he's going to answer them, and I'll probably chime in my, my two cents that I thought of. And then... Uh, Michael, give me his three questions. So my first one, Mike, is you have $5 to spend on any high school game. So think player or team or matchup. Who are you going to go watch and why? This is a weird question for me to have to deal with because I go to a game every day for free. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's more of a fan, you know, for the fan if, if um, you know – don't look at the question too yeah, much. Yeah, see, but, I know, but I see. I went with for me. I did answer it for me. What I'm most excited about this week, I'm really excited about it. Actually, I'm gonna on Friday night. I decided I'm gonna go see Prospect against Rolling Meadows, and I've I've learned things. A, this is a rivalry that I didn't really know about. Hold um, on, stop. I gotta stop you. Yes. So you're the thing you are want to watch the most in high school basketball this year is Prospect Rolling Meadows. I want to see Max Christie. I love freshmen. And it's a new gym. Yeah, I like new things. I'm not into the big game. It's right, not... My, Mike O'Brien is going to the Mid-Suburban League. Yeah, and I'm jazzed about it. <laughs> wow, that one I did not see coming. Do you know how many Battle of Vincennes I've seen? Well, I, I, mean... I, I may be... Yeah, come join the suburbs with me. I've been out here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I may be joining you Friday, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> well, there you go. the fact that we're both going to be at a mid-suburban league game on Friday in late January or oh, into February by then, I, wow, go on. I interrupted you. No, it's, I, I like Max Christie was so enticing, you know, as a freshman and we're looking for what the next big thing might be. And he's kind of even more fun because he came out of nowhere. I didn't know who the guy was. I hadn't heard his name like a month before the first time I saw him play and a new gym's always fun for me to the best of my memory. I've not been to rolling meadows and yet those are the things I like, you know, kind of the unknown, a new thing. I had no idea. It was kind of a good little rivalry. So I'm excited by that a lot more than just, you know, two big highly ranked teams going at one another again. It's just kind of not what gets me. All right. Well, mine is, is that mine is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. 
but I mean, it's teams that haven't played each other, and it's players that haven't played each other. But my big thing this year, and and I haven't looked. The, the brackets aren't out. Where like what? Who feeds into what? Going into Peoria, but I don't believe right. The no, the ping pong yeah. ball thing. So my goal, or not my goal, my hope is for a Simeon Belleville West state championship. I believe in my heart of hearts that they're the two best teams in 4A from the amount that I led up to seeing Belleville West going into the season. And I think it would be really cool to have the best senior in Illinois playing the best junior in Illinois, the two most productive players in their respective classes at that high level going and playing for a state championship. I think that would be really cool, and that's what my answer would be. Um, my second question, what's been the biggest disappointment for you this high school basketball season? I've talked about it a lot on the podcast, about how, to me, high school basketball is best when one of the towns in the suburbs gets really excited about basketball. Those years in Northbrook with John Shire – I mean, the reason I'm doing this job is probably because of the years in Joliet with Gary Bell. And, you know, we saw that with Jalen Brunson out at Stevenson. We saw it. Waukegan, Jeremy Richmond. You, you can go around. It's, it's happened a lot of places. Deerfield, Ryan Hogan. A lot of different things over. Ryan Bell, right. East Aurora. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, yeah. That's great. And I thought this year we had, you know, obviously not the chance for that level of player. But there was a possibility that at Larkin – in Elgin, at Waukegan and Romeoville, that one of those three teams, Larkin, Waukegan, or Romeoville, could have really put something together and made it seem like, not seem like, and made a run at the city powers and really gotten their city excited. And that really hasn't happened um, at all. It sort of has happened in, in Skokie and at Niles North. You know, they had a, the biggest crowd anyone can remember around that basketball program, the Evanston game. So that's cool. Maybe I need to get over and see if that is still going on in, in Skokie. So we at least have it to a small event. Uh, Bolingbrook is a question for me. I feel like it hasn't happened there, even though they've had really good teams. And you would think the way they played Simeon, there'd be a little bit more momentum with them. So it'd be nice if it happened there. But that's my big disappointment is that I don't have that town that I just can't wait to go to every game in. And I wish I was there most nights. It just isn't there this year. Yeah, mine real quick is just a, a, a conference that I pump, and it goes along with what you're saying a little bit because we're talking about individual, you know, some some really good towns that really get into their rivalries, and that's the Upstate Eight River. I, I pump the heck out of this conference, Mike. I mean, I, I, I wrote about it, how fun, exciting it's going to be. Uh, I I was jacked up to have go see multiple games, and it's still a very good league. But it's not, it has not transpired anywhere near what I thought and anticipated it to be. You know, I, I looked, you, I, I did a little bit of homework on this one. So, you know, there's five teams that I think we've all talked about at some point Larkin, St. Charles East, St. Charles North, Batavia, and Geneva, who are all in a league together. And I thought it would be fantastic all winter long. Good distances, rivalries, geographically, it, it's awesome. But they are added up in, in, in top 20, uh, playing against teams that have been ranked in the top 25 this year, or in some rankings, they are 4-14 four and 14 combined outside of their own league. Larkin's 0-5, St. Charles East 1-2, St. Charles North 2-3, Batavia 1-2, and, and Geneva's 
So while you know, I, I I thought all five of those would have a shot of cracking the rankings, staying in the rankings. Uh, I don't none of them are in your rankings right now, right? No. Uh, so that to me, I figured at least two or three of those, kind of with what you said, would kind of step up and have. You know, I don't want to throw our magical season around, but I mean, just really rise to the occasion and and take off. And it, it just hasn't happened. Good league, solid league. A couple of them could get hot in, in a sectional and actually win a sectional. There's no question in the sectional they're playing in. But it just hasn't materialized like I thought it would. Yeah, it's My a shame. Last question. The one player who certainly should be getting more pub than he's received up to this point. I'm sorry about this, but I, I mean, it's Bryant Brown from Waukegan. I, I think he's having, I mean, well, he's averaging 24.7 points and 9.7 rebounds per game. He's a junior. He's just raw production. I, I don't know what his blocking numbers are, but when I've seen him, he's blocking shots right and left. Uh, when I asked Ron Ashlaw for those numbers, he also said that uh, Brian Brown is doing that, quote, for an extremely wounded and fragile team. <laughs> so That's a good call. I mean, we talk very little about him, but it's partly due to their team struggles we've talked about Waukegan a lot and what's transpired here but you know you're right um you know he's one of the top 10 prospects in that junior class and he we haven't talked about him much um you know we have everybody's aware of him you know but uh which is the route I took to my answer my question is just a kid who completely off the radar who I watched this weekend and He's really good, and that's Trayvon Calvin, a, a junior guard at St. Viator. And I don't think anybody—I don't think he's on anybody's really radar. No one talks about him. He is a talented player, and he played well again. And he played well again in a loss at the War on the Shore against uh, Trier. But I really like—he's smooth. He can handle it. Uh, can score it. Knock down shots. He's just a player who's going to continue to climb this spring and summer, and I think he's going to end up being a Division One basketball player. And he's just one that no one's really seen much of or talked too much about. All righty, it's uh, time for my. I got to find mine here. Sorry, everybody, I was uh, not paying proper attention to that. All right. Yeah, leading into your first question, your uh, first question depressed me, actually, as I spent time thinking about it but go ahead the people want to know joe the people want to know what if anything could peoria and or the ihsa do to improve the state tournament the next few years realistic things not moving or changing the not moving cities or changing the number of classes see what got me is the realistic part not so much changing the number of classes and moving it because that's unrealistic at this point but even in the ideas i came up with to me, were either it, it, it sucked because <laughs> it was it was either it was unrealistic or I didn't like the idea when I got done with it and I just kept going back and forth and back and forth. I mean, Peoria. I don't want to make everybody in Peoria mad. I mean, realistically, again, this is unrealistic. I don't know how you pop up, open more restaurants and establishments to go to um, in a town that's. You know, hit some hard times. You know, I, I don't, I can't change that. That's unrealistic. Uh, the 
option or the opportunity to change how the state tournament is run and the structure of it came to mind. And I went down a bunch of different avenues and all of them either didn't interest me or I think would be unrealistic. You know, the one of, I guess I can bring up is you bring, and this is just to make one big mega basketball weekend for this entire state of Illinois. And you combine one, a through four into one weekend. And, you do, you bring your four from each class, you play Thursday, you have Thursday is the 1A and the uh, 2A state semifinal games. Friday, you play the 3A and the 4A state semifinal games. And then Saturday is just a full day of state championships. I, I, I guess it's okay. Uh, You'd have to kind of maybe flip it year 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 to year from you know three A four A would play on Thursday and one A and two A would play on Friday and flip flop them from year to year, but and, and I guess it's okay and I wouldn't be opposed to it. It just didn't get me excited. I, I I I and I don't think a lot of people. I, I think there's a distinct difference between the three A four A fan and the one A and two A fan, and I don't. I don't think any basketball observers are going to Peoria on Thursday. Hey, I'm going to go make a, especially at $200 a night with hotel rooms, uh, to go and watch 1A, 2A basketball on Thursday. So it doesn't, to me, help the crowds or the energy on Thursday. Uh, I guess Fridays would be better because I would guess some 1A, 2A schools would stick around and go to the 3A, 4A games. But to me, it just... It's realistic because I think they could do it. I just don't think it does a whole lot to answer your question of improving it. And I could be wrong. I mean, some people may be completely opposed to what I'm saying and say, you know what, I would love that. I would love that. And that's great. I mean, if I'm in the minority, fantastic. To me, it just as a basketball observer and one who loves high school basketball in Illinois as much as anyone, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. So I don't know if you have a – an answer to make it better. I mean, there's other little things I can get into with what the IHSA could do as far as really starting to put more juice into promoting the event and getting it a little bit more publicized. I think they could do a better job of that. Uh, but that's kind of a, a, a different road. Yeah. I mean, I've harped on that a lot. The publicity thing could be ramped up by a million, no doubt about it. And that would be key to your scenario which has been talked about. I think the IHSA isn't completely opposed to the idea of a three-day weekend with everybody there. And I think that third day, you're right, the, the first two days, there'd be the junkies and the people, the families, that. But you got to hype that day three as just, you know, the thing. You know, with the four championship games, right after one another, no third-place crud, no yeah, shooting third, yeah. stuff. You know, yeah, no, all of that is great, Mike. But yeah. do you disagree with me that you know we know who goes to the state tournament? All the fans of the schools, and I don't think they 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 very rarely stay for even the other semifinal game, <laughs> so uh, they're not coming to one a two a. Then you've got the diehards that go, and I, the diehards I know, and, and there's no nothing against one a and two a basketball. I mean, it's it's great, but the diehards I know would have no interest in really going to the 1A, 2A games. 
That's why even if they even if they were there on Saturday, they wouldn't make a day of it. So you know what? I'm gonna go to all four of these babies. Yeah, that's why they're early. <laughs> I mean, it sounds bad, but you know, you probably have it at what eleven one five seven. Yeah, like that. Um, I just don't know what it does to help create more energy and excitement and not be so dead. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't. And I could be wrong. I, I think the 3A, 4A title game back-to-back on a Saturday night would be appealing, I'm guessing, and not having to stay in a hotel room, you know, just going for that day, for that night, to see at least two really good big school games, the 2A game. I mean, I think Chicago area, if you're sitting here with whatever happens in 1A, but you've got Orr playing for a 2A, Morgan Park 3A, and Simeon or Young for a 4A, you don't got to stay in a hotel room for any of it. It's all going to be back to back. I think you got a shot at least of having it better than the way it is now. I don't want to go down memory lane. <laughs> but I, the idea, and some people are like, oh, I didn't like playing three games in two days. Just think, just rule one quick second here, Mike. Go back to what it was. Eight teams, four quarterfinal games on that Friday that meant the world. For so many reasons. I mean, we all know this, but you go back and think about how cool it was. Those four games for those teams to be able to stay the extra night and and play the next day, just doing whatever you could to, to, to get that quarterfinal win. Then you came back and had two semifinal games early in the day on Saturday, followed up by a championship game. I mean, that's just so foreign now. We went into this four class so long, and how many less meaningful games are played. I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I just came to my head right now, like how awesome that was. Yeah. I mean, the other things they can do, the IHSA has to do something about the hotel prices. Um, that's oh, gotten yes. out of hand. They need to immediately do the best they can. As far as eating, um, the concessions at Carver arena are trash. <laughs> I don't know if I just, they can change that one. Well, they're going to have to do... I mean, it's literal trash. Um, it's horrible. It looks like for other events at Carver Arena, they open other things that are better. Because, <laughs> you know, they'll be the closed ones. You know, they go by, like, there's definitely the beer one. But was, anyway, I don't know. Do they have food trucks in Peoria that they can uh, pull up to the thing? I'm guessing they might have some. I have got myself some Dippin' Dots at one point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, seriously, you're eating, like, stuff from, like, 1974. I mean, it, it's really, really bad. They, they need to do something about that. They need to make sure there's somewhere for a family to go eat. If you got to go spend all this time down there, if it's really for families, you know, it, it, there's nowhere for a family to go walk and sit down and eat easily. You know, it's, and I'm not sure how they do that. Like you said, maybe instead of th- this experience thing, instead of putting all the effort into that, a food cart, <laughs> maybe that area becomes somewhere for people to socialize and eat and taste of Peoria, but there's yeah, no restaurants downtown. I I don't know, uh, but something like I guess I don't know, and I'd be interested if anybody wants to email. Is that experience thing doing anything for you or your family anymore? I think it does for kids. But that's what but, I'm asking. But, yeah, but nobody don't... goes anymore. Yeah. I mean, no, so... no one goes to the state tournament. So, what? yeah, what's the big... Sometimes I feel like there's more people, more kids running around in the experience than there are people watching <laughs> the uh, 3A final. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested. Like, do locals 
like do local people come to like i don't know go just go to the experience yeah i don't know um so anyway those were some i also have a lot of big crazy ideas about bringing eight teams there get bringing the supers in i don't you know for the big for 4a and 3a if you bring the supers in and the well, way you work it over three I mean, days i mean my idea to be honest and this is the unrealistic one mike and they would shoot it down the ice they would never do it but is what you just said is i would turn <clears throat> that week i would have a mass a monster weekend of 3a 4a over the uh, uh, but it have to be at the same time as the 1a 2a just at different sites you have one, but they can't do it logistically. Either. I, well, they say they can't with the IHSA, and the, but I would have one massive three A four A weekend and one A two A at a different site and extend the weekend. See, I but, had. I mean, do you think they can do six games a day? Yeah, you could do six. So then I would do the, you know, the first day, you know, ten, twelve, two, four, six, and eight. You have the one A. Basically, my idea means you bring eight teams in four A and eight teams in three A. So you move the supers down to Peoria. However, you don't do that for 1A and 2A. You just keep the four. And I know they probably would be opposed to that. Yeah, they would never. They'd never do that in a million years. But you know, I, I get it. that can work out logistically to me. Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So that's enough on. Yep. That one. Uh, my next question for Joe: How good is EJ Liddell? Is there any way that Francis Socorro could overtake him this summer as the top prospect? To which yeah. Joe pointed out to me that he's the one, maybe the only <laughs> guy that has EJ Liddell as number one. Correct. And uh, Francis Socorro, which I was looking, something that's I don't think I've ever seen in my life. I looked at three national rankings, and Francis Socorro is ranked 34 in all three. Uh, <laughs> that is really weird. So wow. ESPN rivals and scout have them all. All three of them have them ranked number thirty-four in the country. And now Adele, I mean, Okoro's been in that top thirty-five since he basically entered high school. Uh, EJ Liddell is not. He's been not even close to being a top one hundred kid, and now he's in the top fifty. But yeah, I I am the only one. I just and, and I you could argue easily one or the other. I have no problem with that. I just think the the EJ Liddell's floor and what he is right now is just so overwhelming <laughs> as you project him. And just real quick, for the Chicago area people that haven't seen him, how good is he? I mean, he is uh, he he is one of my he is my favorite player in high school basketball in Illinois. He he, he goes to work regularly. He battles. He competes. He battles and competes and puts up numbers in his style of play, much like Quentin Richardson did back in his days at Whitney Young in 1998. But EJ Liddell, uh, has, he's got an endless motor. He, he plays with a purpose. He has an unbelievable nose for the ball, gets on the glass. He'll, he'll post up on you, little soft little jump hook. And now he's stepping away from the basket. Knock, he'll knock down a three. He's big, strong, dynamite body. Uh, the jumper, again, as I said, has gotten better. So this is a kid that what he brings, this toughness, this energy, this productivity, and he's unselfish and, and plays with this tenacity. And all of it just translates to the next level. 
now the knock is is he an undersized four man? I don't know. He's six 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 and a half legit. That's big enough for me. And you know he's not an otherworldly athlete, but he is a good enough athlete, and he's just so productive. So Easy Liddell to me is is you know my favorite high school basketball player in Illinois. That sounds awesome. Maybe I should drive to O'Fallon. <laughs> yeah, I feel I felt burned by Mark Smith. <laughs> so that was my uh, I, I was not enthused when I went and saw him for the super. So I, I yeah, like... Liddell is definitely better than Mark Smith. Okay. Um, next up, uh, if you had to pick one team that would upset Simeon in the Class Four A playoffs this season, who is it? Well, he just led me into my. <laughs> um, do you want a Chicago area school or just uh, Belleville West is the team just because of EJ Liddell you put the best player uh, you know without question one of the top two or three players in the state of Illinois in that game against Simeon at a, at a, at a position in particular that could really kind of do some damage against a Simeon team that other than Messiah Jones who's an undersized four or five man you know at six five Easily, Dell could do some damage against Simeon. Now, that would be happen in Peoria. Uh, I don't, you know, that question posed to me in <clears throat> here in the Chicago area. I, we've talked about it before, Mike, on this podcast. I just they've just been so much better than every single team, and those are the ranked teams in your rankings. None of those ranked teams are even in the sectional. I mean, Marist, I'm talking like those public league teams. You know, Marist is probably going to be the number two seed in that in that sectional. Uh, I don't think there's a chance that Marist can beat Simeon. I really don't. Uh, that will be at the Thornton sectional. And then you get into the Super, and then you get back to, you know, one of those teams that we've seen them beat all year long. You know, Fenwick and uh, Young and Curie. Do we believe that one of those teams is going to rise up in a super sectional at Chicago State and beat Simeon? Sure. I mean, I guess it could happen. It's high school basketball and upsets, and I just don't see it happening. So that leaves me just with Belleville West. Yeah. Um, you Nobody's touching them in a sectional. Yeah, no that's, one. that's the – and we don't know when – I mean, it feels like, I mean, watching Bolingbrook dismantle Morgan Park maybe gave some hope of a possibility, but they're not, we don't know when that's going to happen. Um, I've seen Niles North at their best. I'm just not sure they've got the rebounding. You know, Bolingbrook has that at least. It sounds I, like you're trying to talk yourself into finding I am, someone. yeah. It, okay. it, that's why it was a, I had the question for you. It's just so difficult for me. I mean, I do like Marist board, uh, rebounding. You know, Jack Ellison and David Daniels, they, they hit the boards. I like that. But they've only got one score, you know? And, and you know what they're going to do. They're going to put Kawan Clements and then Bakari Simmons on Morgan Taylor. He's going to have a 6'7 kid, almost as fast as him, you know, boxing one on him. And then what what the heck does Marist do? So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's very it's, troublesome. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not happening, Mike. So real quick, this will be a state pre-state tournament question, maybe even a take. But how big of an upset does it rank if Simeon loses before Peoria? 
I mean, is it a all timer? Is it a? Top? I, I feel like we can't say because the city tournament has the possibility to change things. Yeah, true. I mean, if somebody gets steps up and you know, somebody has to squeak out two wins or something. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, we'll see how it play. But but if let's just say Simeon tramples the public league like they've done. You know, yeah. basically cure your number two team. They've lost by a combined 36 points to 38 points or something to Simeon. So if that trend continues, then I think we can start, start talking about monumental upset if it were to occur before Peoria. Yeah, I almost – that was my actually my toughest – the rest of the rankings are such a crapshoot at this point <laughs> that my actual toughest decision this past week was the Curie or thing. <laughs> You know, I, I feel like Curie's had their shots at Simeon. They were very not good games. You know, Curie did beat Orr in that cruddy first game by a point. But I, yeah, I, I've been so it, close to moving Orr to the two. Yeah, you interest, You bring that up, and I've got something coming out. Like kind of, It's a mid-season report that I usually do that is about a week or ten days past the mid-season kind of point. But... I, and, I, and I do my power rankings, my midseason power rankings of my own, and, and I clearly had or two in my mind simply because Chase Adams didn't play that game. You, you're, like you said, it was early in the season. And, you know, if, if you see a team's enough, and you just you mentioned it with Niles North, you saw them at their best. And, and that's what I saw or play when they played young. When I saw that game and how they play, I, I just thought they looked like a – you know, uh, uh, definitely a better team. If it, basically, what I'm thinking is, if Orr played Curie tomorrow, in my mind, Orr beats Curie, uh, and I think they are ranked two and three. It's interchangeable, but that's why you know my things coming out here probably tonight or tomorrow uh, online. You know, I do have Orr number two. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, Orr was really hampered by they didn't have most of their depth too. I mean, although we're not giving Curie the credit, you know, they didn't have Commander. You know, and, and he's been getting better and better. His hand's been healing. I just, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's just, Curie manages to get it done. Yeah, they have, Curie has not lost with anybody from Illinois other than Simeon. So, I mean, they've, and they've got some, some nice, good wins along the way. Um, they lost to a team, I think, from Mississippi, I think. But, yeah, I mean, those are clearly the top three teams uh, right now. And, you know, it's... Um, it'll be interesting to me because this is like or shot, you know, Curie can, not, not, they all want to yeah. win the city title, but I mean, or coming into that city champ city uh, playoffs, it's just different for them because in, in the back of the Curie's mind, they always got the state playoff state tournament. And for, or they know they're going to be in two a and if they get that shot at Simeon and they beat Simeon. You're looking at an or team that's probably going to run the table and finish number one. Yeah, I feel like the city tournament really could have some juice this year if IO's back healthy, and we've got a you know kind of more full Morgan Park. We haven't we've been waiting for this or Simeon thing. I feel like there's a lot of things that I want to see in it, and it could go a lot of ways. And we'll see. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this thing up. We'll go with. Um, just a quick look at the week to come. It's Tuesday when you're listening to this. The big games are Naperville North and Wheaton North. Um, North Chicago, Grays Lake North. I'm intrigued by Grays Lake North, even though they don't have the best record. I want to see those Connolly brothers. Um, Thornton at Andrew. 
it's for the conference title, ba- or, or, sorry, for the lead right now, basically. Thornton gave Niles North a heck of a game on Sunday. You know, they, they seem to have been playing a lot better. Joe's written about Andrew, their team I'm kind of intrigued by. Larkin at Geneva, uh, Glenbrook North at Mundelein. Lake Forest at Glenbrook South. Lake Forest, not a great record, but they've beaten some good teams now. Um, Marist at St. Rita, maybe the best game of the night. Uh, Peyton at U-High. St. Lawrence at Conant, which is another really good one. And that's, uh, I'll take us through Tuesday. Wednesday is not much. I am actually think I'm going to head out to Rochelle Zell in Deerfield and see Hope Academy at Rochelle Zell. It's going to be uh, some small school hoops action. Uh, Thursday, we got the big one, Young at Orr. Um, Glenbrook South at Nutrier. And then the Urban Prep battle, Urban Prep West at Urban Prep Englewood. That game's always pretty cool from what I hear. I've always kind of wanted to go, but then as is happening again this year, things get in the way. Friday night, we've got St. Rita at Brother Rice. St. Lawrence at Leo, a nice test for the Leo team I just hyped. Niles North at Evanston, which was fantastic last time. Should be a good one. Marion Catholic at Carmel. Notre Dame at Marist. St. Viator at St. Patrick. St. Pat's pulled off a big win. They're a young team this year, which I feel like we've been saying for about six years. But um, they, they knocked off Marion Catholic. A nice win for them. Prospect at Rolling Meadows, which we talked about. Barrington at Conant. Barrington's had a nice season. We haven't talked about them much. Hillcrest at Lamont. Joe's talked a little bit about Lamont. They got the big Paul O'Leary. Uh, Rich East at Bloom. Manuka at Plainfield East. The big one is probably Lincoln Way East at home with Flossmore. Are Joe's Griffins for real? <laughs> Can they get it done against HF this time? Geneva at St. Charles North. And then Willowbrook at Hinsdale South should be a good one. Willowbrook had a nice weekend. They ended up not being able to knock off West Aurora, but they demolished Proviso East. And they beat um the game I was at that I've already – oh, Larkin. They beat Larkin earlier. And uh, then Saturday is thin. Um, there's a really nice shootout down in O'Fallon. We briefly hit on. Uh, what is it? Bolingbrook's down there. And who else, Joe? Um, someone. Uh, Joe? Hey, you there? I am now. Okay. I don't know what happened. Okay. Um, Shit. No, that's kind of all right. Oh, you know what it was? My bad. It's near I, mu- I muted it because my thing was all jacked up and I didn't unmute it. Shit. Um, I'll just cut that part. And uh, let me start up now. You just roll with it. You just finish it. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. then Saturday's kind of thin. There's a nice shootout down in O'Fallon that we talked a little bit about. And then just a handful of games up here. Lake Forest at Stevenson. Lake Zurich at Waukegan. Oak Park at Evanston, which is a good one. Another big weekend for Evanston. That schedule's been rough. And then Oswego East is going to be the first real big test for undefeated number 25 Aurora Christian. I think I'm going to be there at East Aurora. To see wow. Wow. What- See what the, that was actually a question that I didn't bring up, but yeah, Oswego East, Aurora Christian. Can the Wolf Brothers stay undefeated and stay in the Super 25? Very exciting stuff. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. <laughs>